listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you, we have a band on the show today. They're made up of Michael C. Hall, who you know from Dexter, Matt Katz-Bowen, who's played with Blondie and Cindy Lauper, and Peter Yanowitz, who's played with the Wallflowers and a bunch of other people. And the band is called Princess Goes. And they have an album called Come of Age that I listened to last night, and I really loved it. And how you doing, guys? Great. I'm good. I got to start off with the album. I want to know who are some of your musical influences? Because some of the songs, I felt like they had some Roxy music influence. I may be crazy, but some of it had that sexy Avalon allure in the song. And the whole album is very it's mysterious. It's uh, You can dance to it. It's just fun. But who are some of your guys' influences that guided you to create this album? I mean, I, I'll start. I... I... My influences are Mike and Matt, you know, I, I don't, you know, we, I don't think consciously we have a list of, of who we are inspired by, you know, we have all been around for a while on this planet. So we have collectively a love of so much different music from all over the world. Um, and, and having come of age myself in the eighties, you know, definitely influenced by that, you know, there's, I think there's music from all over you know the usual suspects i love hearing that about avalon and and i love that record roxy music is, is a huge influence on me how about how about you michael what, what are some of your influences for your musical stylings um you know i i i'm like peter I, I would say my influences are as sort of extensive as everything i've heard <laughs> in my life be it music or subway cars or what have you. Um, and you know, I've, I, I, there's certainly musical influences, you know, way outside the traditional popular music sphere. Like I love, um, Palestrina masses and things like that. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, we, we never really aspired to sound a certain way. I think whatever we create is, is a combination of our collective sensibilities and whatever alchemy exists when the three of us put those all together and, um, and as Peter and Matt have said before, I think it has, you know, there's sort of a mother of invention component with what they initially were working with in Peter's studio, which was a lot of keyboards. And, um, and I think, I think that sort of informed the initial, uh, musical, uh, experimentation and compositions that, that Peter and Matt came up with um that i heard way back when and and that's maintained a sort of presence in the sound um but we all are men of a you know we're not the exact same age but we we all definitely you know came of age sonically in the 80s and have a lot of those influences just in our dna we don't have to sort of try <laughs> to lean into the influences they're just they're just there how about you, Matthew? Do you, do you have certain influences that you feel that you've fed off in your creative process? You're on mute. Kind of echoing what Mike and Peter said. Um, everything I've ever listened to, you know, just going on the subway has probably become an influence of some kind. Palestrina masses, you know, um, Bach, um, inventions and concertos. And, you know, Roxy Music and David Bowie, we love all that stuff. We love all that stuff. 
Now, what, what is your guys' writing process? When, when you came up with a new album, what, what is, do you have a set process? Someone works on lyrics, someone works on the music, or is it all just a collaborative or someone gets an idea first? Like, Peter, you may have an idea and then you'll send it to Matthew. Or What was the process for this album? Yeah, I think it was like our last couple albums where we, you know, since we started over five years ago, we just kept the writing going and, and again, yeah, our, our process is any which way we possibly can get the song out. We, you know, we love to, we love to uh, jam in the same room together. We love to send each other ideas and with technology, it's really easy to do that right now. Just to, you know, Mike handles all the vocals and the lyrics and uh, melodies and, you know, Matt and Mike is also contributing to the music. Matt and I do a lot of jams in our studio that where we just press record, and a lot of those jams end up becoming songs. Um, and this record, I think, yeah, it was just kind of like the last two. We we started building on one or two songs, and then an album started to come into focus, and we just kept going. And sometimes we would, you know, I've been writing songs for a long time, as Matt has as well, and we dug dug into our archive of of writing that we've had, we've done over the years and pulled songs that maybe we thought would fit in with this record. And Mike really responded well to those. And yeah. So any which way we can write, we, we write all different ways. Sometimes it starts with a, a vocal that Michael send us on his iPhone and we'll build a song around that other times. Yeah. Like I said, we do it from live jams or just, you know, start with the drum track and a bass track and we go from there. How about you, Michael? Where do the lyrics come from? Because, you know, there's some great lyrics on this, and I always wonder, and always, I always, I, I do stand-up comedy, and I know how to write a joke, but when I hear lyrics, it just blows me away, or when I hear music, but where do you find your lyrics? Do you sit there and sit down, and you'll maybe hear some of their tracks and say, I'm going to write this, or you just sit or walking down the street, you sit on the subway and go, holy crap, this, this is something I want to write. How do you develop your lyrics to make a song? I mean, all of the above, I think. I mean, there, there are some lyrics that um, are, are there written down in some form that are maybe not tied to any melody, but are tied to some sort of rhythmic sense or rhyme scheme. There are times when I'll hear a fully realized like piece of music that, that Matt or Peter or Matt and Peter come up with and a melody will reveal itself and then the lyrics will sort of come uh, in a way that honors that melody. Um, but I don't know. I, I try <clears throat> honestly not to think too hard about where they come from because I don't want them to stop coming, you know. But, uh, but I don't, um, you know, sometimes there's a specific story I have in mind that I maybe am obliquely telling. Sometimes it's more, um, you know, a song will emerge out of just a single line that that sort of gets stuck in my head, and and it'll the that'll be like the uh, the heart of the skeleton, and then I'll try to find the rest of the flesh to put on the bones. But um, um, in the just as as is the case with our writing more broadly, the lyrics there's no there's no formula, you know. Sometimes. Sometimes, um, and, and there have definitely been instances where, where there's a sort of a lyric that, that is just trying to find its way into a song and never succeeds. And then, you know, I'll hear a jam and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's the home 
for that lyrical idea. And uh, so that happens sometimes, but uh, every which way. Now, Matthew, how, how did you meet Peter? Because Peter said you guys are playing together. I know you've both been in the industry for a long time, but how did you guys meet and decide to start collaborating together? You're muted. You're on mute. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, we met a long time ago, um, back when Peter had a band called Morningwood, <clears throat> and I had a band called Daddy. And we used to play a lot of the same venues in New York City, Lower East Side and whatnot. And um, then we reconnected when Peter was playing drums for the Hedwig musical on Broadway, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, also known as. And then I stepped in as assistant music director, and I was doing that. Just as Mike who was playing Hedwig, he was actually um, leaving the production as I was stepping in. Then Peter and I did the tour, the Hedwig National Tour. So we went all around America. We, um, we sampled tacos in almost every state, uh, except maybe Alaska. And we were just like walking around, talking about music and jamming. And, um, you know, we got back home. We just started jamming, writing music, coming up with these songs. And um, songs that were eventually that Mike was going to find and put his beautiful lyrics onto and sing on. Now, Michael, how did you get involved with them? I mean, from the play, but he came in, it's because, you know, it's not like they're just walking up and finding a singer. They're finding a very popular actor. So it's like they're going, oh, well, you know, you're musical. But how did they approach you? Because it must be intimidating somehow for them. Because like, oh, this guy's a big star. Intimidating for them. I mean, I think it was intimidating for me. You know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the sort of novice um, in terms of um, experience as a, as a, as a, uh, working professional musician so but yeah I maintained a friendship with Peter after Hedwig ended and we went to dinner one night and he played me a couple of the tracks that he and Matt had come up with and I just casually said if you ever want somebody to have a crack at singing on these that might be fun I mean there was no aspiration to be a band to start a band to I wasn't lobbying for that I don't think Peter had that in mind it just kind of um there was just something about the 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 collaboration that immediately started to i think stoke all of our creative fires and the next thing we knew we had written like 10 songs and we decided we should probably book a gig and play them for somebody other than ourselves and we've just kind of been staying on the case of this you know since then um i think a part of why we can't answer questions like what are your influences or what did you want this record to sound like? Like we never, we've always been just trying to catch up to the to the um, to the serendipitous thing. I mean, the band kind of happened to us as much as we happened to the band. Now, I like the fact that you guys actually put out an album. Because now, I mean, we we're all at the same age. Our albums were something that were you buy the album, you look at it, you 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 love an album, and you listen to every track. And if you had a bunch of crappy tracks on it, and there was a single, you feel bad that you wasted your money. But for you guys, what was the idea to come out with an album? Because it's great because it's an album. As I, I listened to the whole thing, and all the songs are excellent. I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I mean, I I'm very picky with my music. But what was your idea? Were you thinking of Always for this, I mean, you've done other albums before. What was the idea for this to have such a great album in this day and age recently where people just buy tracks online? Anyone can answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, 
the three of us are really attracted to an album as a as a one whole statement in the old school sense the way albums that we grew up with and it's you know influenced us back in the day i think you know and again like we i don't know i'm kind of in awe of this album myself and i don't know that sounds funny to say but i don't have any idea how we came upon this and it, and it was it's you know about five or six songs in i was like holy shit this album is gonna be incredible <laughs> and i again it sounds funny and i don't mean it like oh, we're incredible it just i've worked on a lot of albums before and i know the difference of when you're working on an album that's like oh this is really good let's keep going you know we got we're onto something and then working on an album that just feels like it's just going on its own momentum it's way bigger than us we are just you know facilitating its existence but it it definitely started to feel like something very special as we were working on it and I, I, again, we have no idea why or how. It just probably could have done ourselves a favor and hold held on to a few songs for the next record, you know, but we, we don't work that way. We want to put our best stuff out, our best foot forward. And, just, you know, and if you like this album, I would say check out our, our first full length, Thanks for Coming, because we're also really, uh, really pleased with how that one turned out as well. And another album at 12 songs, that, 12 or 13 songs that hangs together in a way that I don't think we can explain or really understand ourselves. Now, do you have a favorite song from the album, Peter? I want to ask you, because, you know, it's always everyone listens. Do you have a favorite song off this album? Because it's a great album, but there's got to be, like, one baby. You go, oh, man, I, I just, I love that fucking song. Is there, is there anything for you on that album? I, I honestly, it's like picking your favorite child or, you know, we, they're all, they all, you know, add to the conversation and they all, I don't know. There's there. It's a, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to answer that question really well, but uh, I mean, it changes daily. And, and Mike likes to say what, whatever song we're playing live is my favorite one. And I kind of agree with that. They, you know, we just got back from a tour and we got to play a bunch of these new ones and they all just resonated in their own way. So it's really hard to decide. I would probably ask you what your favorite song is. I, you know, as I said, I love Come of Age. That was my favorite song. I love Come of Age because that's the one that sort of did remind me of Roxy Music. And I just listened to it and it was good. And the good thing about this album is it jumps around. Like, it's not all one feeling. You know, sometimes you hear a mu an album and it's all it, it's all the sounds. Like, if you listen to a Leonard Skinner album, I like Leonard Skinner, but a lot of the songs sound the same unless you throw in Simple Man. This goes all over the place. And for me, I would say my favorite album, my favorite song is Come of Age. Now, now, Michael, that's, I know, you you wrote the lyrics to that. Well, you wrote the lyrics, but what's your take on Come of Age? Is that one that meant a lot to you? I mean, where did that song come from? Um, yeah, that was one, that was a, that was a, something that Matt sent, um, it was pretty much a fully realized um, musical composition structure. And um, the, the, that, the, those, those first lines, I think, were floating around and um, they, they, they fit in. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely am happy with uh the way that one came out um i'm uh, i don't do a lot of uh sort of refrain or repetition but i couldn't stop saying admit you want to see me or admit you want to see me go admit you want to see me go down and just um but um 
I'm glad you like that one. I really like that one too. I uh, like Peter. I think I'd be hard pressed to, to pick, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I like that song. It was really fun to do live. Felt like it went over, um, pretty well. <laughs> well, Matt, how about you for, for writing wise, which of the songs that you've written compositions, like you said, you wrote the composition, which is the one you can, you say you're most proud of? Is there a song that you sat there and when you wrote it, you went, wow. All right, like you just pat yourself on the back and go, this kicks ass. I mean, is there one song on the album that did that to you? I mean, I like to think I would feel that after every song that made it onto the album, um, you know, just being like, wow, that kicks ass. How did how did that even happen? That kind of freaks me out that we even came up with that. And, uh, um, you know, Peter was saying the same thing, playing these songs live, just playing them, we're like, wow, we came up with these songs. This is our band. This is our album. I wouldn't want to put out a thing that I kind of felt half-assed about or like, yeah, it's okay, but, you know, I don't really like that song. Let's throw it on there. Like, we're not into, like, filler like that, which you already said, you know, we're not like a singles band. Like, oh, we got to put out two singles and the rest is just kind of whatever. So definitely, yeah, feeling that way about everything on the album. Now, any of you guys can ask this question. How do you come up with the track order? You know, you have, you have all the songs. How do you decide what's going to be where? Because, as I said, there's a lot of different sounds on your album. So you have to sit there and make sure you keep the person interested. Who came? Did you guys sit down with the record company? Did you sit down with each other and say, here's what we're going to do? Who came up with the tracking order? It was collaborative. I think we just went back and forth um, with different different sequences i feel like the first half of the album kind of revealed itself pretty early relatively and then the last half was more of a puzzle in terms of um but but some of the some of the decisions were in it's a, it's a combination of how things flow sonically and then how they flow lyrically um some of the you know some of the some of the sensibilities in the songs can be kind of dark or dire or dystopian or you know and then other things can be a bit more cracked open and uh there's a lot more light coming through and so we tried to you know have that in mind as we but um yeah it it took it took a while but i think we landed in in a good place and i don't think any one of us really cracked the code it was just we just kept going back and forth and Peter would send send these um these files with just a different sequence, and we'd just sit and listen to it straight through until the journey felt like it had the right contours, you know. So you guys just and, got. And, oh, go ahead, Peter. I was going to say, offering the first songs seemed like an obvious start because it starts with that drone coming out of like black space and and builds to this you know, instrumental rocking groove. And then, you know, it, it, it felt like a, it, there was no other place for that. And then Mike wrote this song floating, which ended the album, which also felt like a great, great bookend. So I think those were, those seemed kind of clearly they had their spot and then everything else just came out of the ether. Like what, what, and I, I would say the lyrically, I like the way the album flows from start to finish with the blossoming and the, the offering and the blossoming lyrics to ending up kind of walking 
around the forest in floating, you know, it really had this beautiful journey lyrically. How about the videos? You guys have, you came up with two videos so far. Um, whose idea were the videos and how do you choose what song you want in the video? Because once again, you said you guys don't feel like there's a single. Every, and I said every song's good. How do you choose what video is? And also, what's it like for you, Michael? Because, you know, you're, you're, you're in the one video. It's you the whole time. I mean, is that something because well, people I recognize mean, you or? You know, I mean, it's inevitable that people are going to be like, oh, it's that guy from that thing. You know, I mean, I can't really uh, do anything about it. And that's fine. You know, it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the Shimmer, the first video we put out, we we sent Tim Richardson, the guy who made that video for us, a number of tracks, and uh, he responded to that one. And so we said, well, let's go with that one. And uh, so that's that's why we did that one first. And the the footage uh, that comprises the the visual or the or the video for Blur, the second video we did, is actually footage that was a part of that original shoot for Shimmer. Um, so all that footage actually when it was captured we didn't even know that it was going to be a part of the blur video um peter's brother actually edited that and put that together so i think with a lot of our videos we've um you know found someone to collaborate with who we you know entrust to do their thing you know we're not like this is what the video will be now shoot it it's more like we we want to collaborate with you and even be your guinea pig you know if you have some sort of idea we'll we'll uh we'll we'll run with it so um as far there's no grand plan in terms of what song became the video first it's it's we're just sort of following the you know the fact that tim picked shimmer and then the fact that that additional footage seemed to work with blur i mean that just that's just how it happened um so you guys, you guys were just in overseas doing some shows. Now, I want to talk to Matthew and Peter about this. How has the road changed for you guys? Because you've been in this industry for a long time. Is it is it still as exciting when you're going on tour? I mean, I know you guys had a short tour, but is it something where... Is it harder to perform as you get older because it's more demanding? We'll start with you, Matthew. Um, I would... I would say it's definitely very, very exciting because this is our music. These are songs that we've created and brought into the world. And, um, you know, my day job is that I tour a lot with Blondie and I play with other bands, but I've been touring with Blondie a bunch this year, Glastonbury and um, Coachella, among other things like a European tour. Um, however, music for Blondie. Ah, shit. Well, I have. Sorry about that co-written with Blondie, it's not the same because um, it's obviously their band and, um, you know, it's it's a whole different experience. Going out on the road with Princess is, um, it's incredible to meet like-minded people who love our music and um, come wearing our shirts and have, you know, tattoos of our symbol on them. He's cutting it. Oh. Yeah. Incredible, humbling experience. And it's it's uh, amazing, you know. Getting older is is you know it's whatever it is, but it's something that we're all bound to do, and you may as well do it and play beautiful shows, um, meeting incredible people at the same time. 
How about you, Peter? Because also, you're a drummer, and, and that's a lot of damn activity. One of my friends is a, a Jason Aldean's drummer, and he, he they hooked him up to something, and his, his heart rate, it's just sick, but it's like... Do you have to train before you, even if it's 10 nights, you're just sitting there and go, I have to get in shape because I'm beating these things all night. Yeah. Um, I, you know, drumming in itself is such a great exercise and I'm lucky to have chosen that at a young age. Cause I think I had a lot of, my parents said I was hyperactive. So I, they gave me something to do from, you know, with drums and no, it, it, you know, I play a lot at home, but I look, I look forward to that part of the touring that's my favorite part of touring is that hour and a half we're on stage um we you know yeah touring's a pain in the ass i think it's a pain in the ass when you're young but maybe a little more when you're older but yeah you know i was thinking about it today a lot just there's something i find addictive about touring too that that's just central focus of you know everybody's there to you know get this show up you know and running and and to play the show and it that kind of repetitive you do that night after night we you know we don't take a lot of days off we did you know four shows in a row over there recently and we did we ended on a five show run which we'd never done five nights in a row playing and i don't know you get used to that you wake up you get you know you get in the van you go to the next place you show up you know you unload your your crew sets up and you find some food and you know i i there's there's a certain that, like singularity to that life that I I actually love even though yeah it's hugely disruptive, it's it's fucking exhausting and and a real pain in the ass and and kind of sad to be away from, you know your family and and the ones you love and you know there's always that aspect but you know then there, then you get up on stage and everything just melts away and you have this beautiful moment with people that you don't even know. And it's so real and live and it's just like, God, I don't know anything else in life that has given me that feeling of, of sharing music with people in a real, in a space in, in moment in time. It's a really beautiful thing. I don't think God, I, I could probably be 80 years old and still want to get up and do something. <laughs> you know, I don't know about Mike and Matt, but no, I mean, it just seems like an, an energy that I'll never get used to. I mean, never get tired of. How about you, Michael? Because, you know, you've been on stage as acting. You've been on TV as acting. Is there a different feeling when you are a lead singer? Because that's like the coolest job, a lead singer. Everyone's like, oh, or it being an, or a rock drummer or, you know, keyboardist, you're, it's it's such a cool job. But for you, is there a difference? Is there a different energy you have to exert or is it all just art to you? Um, yeah, it's fundamentally different to be standing up there with these guys and delivering our work you know we're not i'm not as an actor i'm 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 interpreting other people's ideas or saying other people's words i'm trying to embody it and own it and make it my own and live through it and you know you can have experiences as an actor where you feel like you're certainly revealing something authentic about who you are but you're doing it through someone else's idea whereas you know this is um something else and uh yeah i mean it's it's uh it's not it's not stand-up comedy you know i'm not out there alone but uh man it would be really conspicuous if i didn't sing <laughs> like, like i better i better i better do it you know i think that's true for all of us like these, these songs aren't going to play themselves you know 
you gotta you gotta step up and 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 deliver it and uh you know it can be it can be um it can be exhausting uh but uh also invigorating and um yeah the the touring life uh, the the relatively limited amount of it that i've experienced is um it's a difficult thing to do but it's also um very simple <laughs> you know your life is pretty distilled you wake up you're tied to the train tracks again and the the show comes and uh just before the train runs you over you get untied and you just try to grab onto that train and hold on now, now have you guys noticed is there a difference between the european audiences and the american audiences because you just said european you did, you did a few shows in new york before you left do you do you notice a difference? Is there is there a more? I mean, I know like metal bands when they go to like down South America, they're worshipped. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's just amazing. But for you guys, have you noticed a difference in the crowds between like New York and where you were just at? Anyone? I think um, we've talked about this. Um amongst ourselves i think every venue in every city is different has its own particular feeling and um sometimes drastically like we played a this poetry festival in utrecht holland with a thousand people in this auditorium and as you can imagine that was a completely different vibe than playing in london you know in this um it felt like an old abandoned theater during the zombie apocalypse <laughs> how about you peter yeah you know it was interesting we started the tour actually in new york for a hometown gig in brooklyn bushwick and outdoors at, at a place called elsewhere it was really cool we hadn't played a show before that it was a year before that we did our last show so we'd never gone that long without playing and uh and it was just a beautiful show. I, it felt like we just jumped back on the horse and rode off. And then a few days later, we found ourselves in Manchester, England. Completely different audience, completely different vibe. A, a great show, but it was stark in the differences. Uh, you know, the, the audiences in the UK are amazing you know the the deep appreciation and love of music and of live music is is clear clearly present there then we went to europe for the first time and played in places like paris and berlin and belgium and and um in like matt said in utrecht, utrecht holland um and those audiences had a very the, they they had you know in france it was a completely different audience than we'd been playing to in uh england and as well in the, in the Netherlands. And so it was really exciting to just find our people and, and, and at least the people that have found us because we're still very much, you know, looking for an audience and we're still very much getting to know our audience because we're a new band and our music is, is uh, like, like all bands that are new is, is trying to reach as many people as we can. So, so we're just discovering it. And, you know, we, we found a, a hardcore group of, 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 fans that have stuck with us and we're just also really looking to expand our audience and reach as many people as we can with our music 
Now, Michael, is, is your celebrityism, I mean, everyone knows you in America, is it as big over there? Like, when people come to a show, like, I can imagine people here coming to a show going, hey, we're going to see the guy from Dexter, then they see the music, and they go, wait a second, what is this? Wait, this is what we signed up for. How is How does your celebrityism compare over there? Do people know you, but not as well as they do here, and just come for the, more for the band? Um, I think it's comparable, you know? I mean, the show is pretty worldwide, and in some places, like in France, it's on... It's probably more widely seen because it's on, um, it's not on like pay cable, it's just on regular TV. So um, uh, it's comparable, you know, and, and there's uh, an element of like people who are there out of maybe some degree of curiosity, but that's a lot less than it maybe used to be. I think most people are there because they're into the band if they came to know the band because they were familiar with my work as an actor or something, that's great, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if somebody was, um, enough of an idiot to think that I was going to like be pretending to stab people to music, they're definitely are, have a rude awakening. <laughs> I have I have one final question for you guys. Cause I know we're pressed on time. What is the future of the band? Where do you guys see this going? Because I know it must also, Michael, because also the SAG strike, we don't know when that's going to end, so that must help somewhat for you, at least keeps your mind off it. But where do you guys see it going? Because as you said, Matthew, you know, you know, you guys play you all have side gigs. You have day jobs, per se, but where do you see this band headed? Because the album's great, and hopefully you'll do an American tour. But uh, Peter, where do you see the future of this, of, of, of the next few months or next year of uh, Princess Goes? Well, we certainly want to, you know, tour the states and go back to Europe, and we want to play festivals and and get uh, in front of as many people as we can, just with the music and share the records with the world. Um, but just like we don't know how we even got here or where we where this all, you know, how how we ended up here, it's hard to know where we're headed. I, I know we have more music in us, and it'd be cool to think about start thinking about how we can keep it interesting and keep our our next record you know, keep it, keep it, you know, everyone on their toes and keep ourselves inspired. So um, I see a little bit of writing, a little bit of, a little bit of touring and, uh, and just living our lives. We all, yeah, we all are up to other stuff, but this is definitely something we, we all three keep showing up for and we all have high hopes to just keep being a band. You know, I think sometimes being in the music business and being in a band, it, I think then at least for our, our, for this particular creative unit it feels like just if we stick around long enough you know and make keep making the music that we have been making um they will come and people will come and we'll keep building our audience and and that 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 excites me think about a couple more records and having you know we you know we have what close to 40 songs right now out in the world and be amazing or 30 ish something songs be cool to think about having like 50 songs and that you know as a as a writer that's all i i'm concerned about is is putting music out into the world while i while i have time on this planet and uh and i sure as fuck love making music with mike and matt they're both incredibly inspiring people to collaborate with and it's super open so we just want to continue that, that that'll be our year i think a little bit of everything well, I hope you guys keep it up. No, I forgot to answer this. What made you change from Princess Goes to Butterfly Museum to Princess Goes? What, what's the story behind that? Was it too long for the kiosk? You couldn't put it on the kiosk when you performed? Or what was it? What was the name change? That was definitely part of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was that's part of it was the was the kiosk because they charge by the letter. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this. They charge like five hundred dollars a letter. So we actually saved like thousands of dollars just the kiosk bills alone. Ridiculous. Um aside from that, I mean, you know, we just wanted her to go wherever she wanted to go. You know, she can stay in the Butterfly Museum. She can go to Manchester, England, or, you know, Belgium, as we did. Um, sort of freedom. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. This is great. I really did love the album. People, come to age. Uh, go get it. Go buy it. You know, when you see them coming, hopefully we'll have a tour coming up. Go watch them. Go to their website, princessgoes.com. It has their videos. Watch their videos. And I want to thank you guys. And people... uh Go to the website, go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find over 970 episodes. You can email me at cooper at coopertalk.net. Twitter, I'm at coopertalk. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.